Welcome to Policy Today. Thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State. Produced by the Washington Research Council. Hello, uh, this is Chris Scholem. I am a research director and a senior economist at the Washington Research Council. Uh, and this is our Policy Today podcast. Uh, we're recording this um, on Monday, uh, February 29th. Uh, this is the 50th day of the current uh, legislative session, which is um, scheduled to run up to 60 days. That's the constitutional limit, uh, and, which would put the end of session uh, on the 10th, uh, which is Thursday of next week. Um, in, in a short session such as this one, the one must-do item uh, is, the, um, is the, uh, the state budget. Um, and uh, uh, supplemental state bu- budget. And um, Emily has been watching, and uh, with me today is Emily Makings, uh, our senior research analyst, and she's been watching very carefully what's been going on uh, in Olympia with the supplemental budget. And she's put out a couple of policy briefs on them that you can find on our website. Um, Emily, so why don't you fill us in on what's happened in the last week or so? So both the House and the Senate have passed supplementals um for the 2015-17 operating budget, biennial operating budget. Um, They're very different. The House would spend, would appropriate an an additional $478.4 million, whereas the Senate would only appropriate an additional $33.6 million. So that's the first um, big difference. Additionally, the House would increase taxes and it would uh, tap the rainy day fund. but I guess I'll start first on the House budget, if that sounds good. That sounds very good. They went first this year. Um, so they, revenue-wise, they would um, assume enactment of House Bill 2996, which would increase revenues by $123.8 million. Um, this would, it would do several things. It would apply the real estate excise tax to certain foreclosures. It would require non-residents to apply for a sales tax refund rather than receive an immediate exemption at the cash register. Uh, it would apply the sales tax to bottled water. It would increase the business and occupation tax rate for resellers of prescription drugs. It would increase the B&O tax rate for travel agents and tour operators. And finally, it would increase the B&O tax rate for international investment services. So, Chris, I mean, most of these have been proposed by um, the governor and the Democrats. Yes. In several previous years, and they've never been enacted right. so far. Proposed and rejected, proposed again yeah. and rejected again. And so, so it's. Um, I mean, it remains to be seen this year what happens. Uh, I think the House Finance Committee um, uh, had an executive session this morning on the bill, but I haven't seen yet exactly what happened. But I assume that it passed the House Finance Committee, and, and we'll see if it goes anywhere from there. Yes. Um, and other tra- and other resources, the House would add um, $64 million due to transfers from other funds. And this includes $14 million from the dedicated marijuana account, $10 million from the public works assistance account, and t- $10 million from the performance audit account. Um, and they also include $21 million that they would transfer from the general fund to the Education Legacy Trust account to pay the penalty imposed um, by the Supreme Court in the McCleary case. Yeah, I, I, that, that transfer really doesn't um, um, 
reduce the uh, resources that are ultimately available to the legislature because they right. can just appropriate from that account for the public schools. Right. But they're they're making it visible, I guess, in their budget that they're, they're, they're planning that. to do that. Yes. And just as I understand that the Senate is not is not so willing no. to actually right the Senate does do not that. include that transfer. Yes. Uh, so the House would increase spending, as I mentioned, by four hundred and seventy eight point four million dollars. Of that, two hundred nineteen million is maintenance level changes, and two hundred fifty nine million is policy level changes. So um, then, next uh, in reserves, the House would. Um, leave reserves of uh, $352 million, not including the budget stabilization account. But then they would actually use the budget stabilization account, which is our rainy day fund. Um, for fire costs, they would appropriate $189 million for fire costs, $90 million for, for um, local effort assistance for levies for the schools, uh, $90.6 million for, uh, or excuse me, $37.2 million for homelessness, and then additionally, it would uh, appropriate kind of on a permanent basis funds for uh, K-12 school construction. It would kind of divert uh, half of the 1% that is required to be transferred into the BSA for school, out of the BSA for school construction. So altogether, it would, um, it would reduce funds in the budget stabilization account by, um, I don't have a balance for me, something like $470 million or something. So um, to go back to spending, uh, the biggest spending item on the House side is that they would provide about $99 million for, to recruit and retain teachers and other school staff. This is similar to the governor's teacher shortage proposal from the end of last year. Um, it would increase the beginning teacher salaries to $40,000, and it would add a new year to the state salary allocation model. It would also increase classified staff salaries by 1%. Um, additionally, the House would increase spending by $18 million to maintain the state need grant at its 2015 service level. And then in... Um, it, provides additional funds for mental health. For example, it would provide $11 million for transitional support to Western State Hospital. Um, it would also increase spending by $33.8 million for individual provider overtime. Um, so additionally, um, the House would increase spending um, by $32.2 million to settle claims in the Moore versus healthcare authority lawsuit, which was related to employee health benefits. Um, that's something that the Senate does as well. So that's kind of the overview of the spending in the House budget. Um, now, under state law, the legislature is required to balance the budget over four years. And the House budget does balance over five years, but they kind of, they make a few kind of artificial accounting decisions that allow them to do that. First, they say that the, um, the they remove the costs of K-3 class size reduction from the 2017-19 maintenance level. And they say that they can do this because under the law, um, 
the four-year balance budget law, um, it specifies that in 2013-15 and 2015-17, costs related to the McCleary decision don't have to be included in the maintenance level for purposes of the outlook. So according to the House, last year, the legislature included these kind of step-up funds for the K-3 reduction voluntarily. So it was already it's been included in the outlook before, but now the the House is saying that we're not, they're not going to do it this time around, just for purposes of the outlook. So this reduces the maintenance level for 2017-19 by 487 million dollars, which I mean that really allows them to say that they are in balance because I think I mean it was a very small like five million dollars they were in balance. Additionally. Um, when the House would redirect that half of the 1% transfer to the budget stabilization account, for purposes of the outlook, it, the House does not reduce resources by this amount in 2017-19. It, um, it makes the reduction kind of at the bottom of the budget outlook. So again, so this again reduces the, um, so this would, if they didn't do this, the Indian fund balance would be reduced by an additional $201 million. So these two accounting decisions save the House budget um, $697 million in the, in the ensuing biennium. It's not a uh, small change. No, it's, yeah, it's very real money, and, um, and the Senate doesn't do this. So that's another point of... An interesting contrast, I think. Um, so finally, on the the house, um, well, it's not really clear how they'll get to the how they'll come to terms with the Senate on on the budget stabilization account issue. Um, the Budget stabilization account may only be used um, if it has with a, um, major a majority of the legislature in times when employment growth is less than one percent, or if the governor declares an emergency. Otherwise, uh, using the BSA requires a three-fifths vote of the legislature, and that's a high bar because it's important to maintain reserves for rainy days. Um, but the uh, this year, the governor did declare an emergency in the case of fires. So it's um, it's unclear whether it's unclear to me whether the the bill. So there's a separate bill that require that the the um, transfers from the, or the appropriations from the budget stabilization account would occur in a separate bill from the budget bill. First of all, so that bill may re require a three-fifths vote of the legislature to pass. I'm not sure if, since it has, you know, appropriations for fires, for levies, and for homelessness, not sure if the, the provision about only requiring a majority applies to the entire bill or just to the portion about fires. I hope, I hope there are legislative experts in our listenership who can fill us in on that, but... Well, my guess is that it hasn't, you know, that hasn't yet been decided. It yeah. will come to the um, um, with the uh, decision of the presiding officers in the in the two uh, bodies. Yes, 
So that'll be something to watch. The The bill is uh, House Bill 20, um, 2988. So that could have, if that comes comes moves forward, then it could have some interesting... Um, decisions made in the legislature that might only be interesting to people who are really interested in legislative activity, but... Yes. Uh, so you want to talk about the, what's happened on the Senate side? Okay. So in the Senate, again, as I mentioned, it's very different from the House. Spends much less. It would not increase taxes at all. Um, it also makes um, transfers from other funds to the general fund. Just like in the House, it would transfer $14 million from the dedicated marijuana account, $10 million from the public works assistance account, and $10 million from the performance audit account. Um, and then, but additionally, the Senate would also transfer $172.7 million from the general fund to the disaster response account for wildfire costs. Um, again, the, the House would have used the budget stabilization account for that purpose. Um, and in reserves, the Senate would leave an unrestricted Indian fund balance of $489 million. And it does balance over four years without the artificial accounting issues. Um, one kind of big difference between the Senate and the House is that the Senate would provide $6.2 million to fund public charter schools, something the House doesn't even touch on um, but this would provide funds because, the, of course, the state Supreme Court ruled that they were unconstitutional. Um, under the Senate proposal, um, charters would be funded from the Opportunity Pathways account, which would presumably get them around the, unconstitu the constitutionality issue. So, and then there's a kind of a wrinkle at the maintenance level in public schools. The biggest, the Really, the, the main difference between the House and the Senate on maintenance level is that the Senate would reduce spending in public schools by $52.5 million at the maintenance level. And this reflects um, an issue in which the, the enacted biennial budget required school districts to use funds for K-3 class size reduction only for class size reduction. They couldn't use it for any other purpose. So... There were some districts that chose not to use the, the money, and those unused funds have to be returned to the state you know, by the end of the biennium. So the Senate budget would recognize those funds right now in the maintenance level. This is something the House did not do. So that's a kind of an, an unusual difference in the maintenance level, really. Yeah, perhaps it was just a... Um, uh a last-minute um, recognition that that on the Senate side that it was possible to do this, and that having seen it, the House would be would be uh, would leap to uh, include it with them. You know, I don't know because the I mean, it may have been a last-minute thing on the Senate side, but the Democrats in the Senate and in the House, I think, too, were very or they they were. I mean, they they've been calling this a cut to public schools. So I don't know. They seemed very up in arms about it. And if you were listening to the the um, the budget debates, so I don't know if that's that. I, it sounds like that'll be a point of contention, but maybe that's just negotiating. Um, so then in higher in higher education, the Senate would also increase the state need grant funding. Um, 
and it would appropriate $8.1 million to backfill tuition at the public colleges and universities. This is related to the college affordability program that was enacted last year that reduces tuition. Um, the legislature had increased appropriations to the institutions in order to make up for the lost tuition revenue. This additional funding continues to make the universities whole by to, um, to reflect uh, new enrollment numbers. Um, as I mentioned again, the Senate also appropriates funds for transitional support for Western State Hospital um, and increases funding for individual provider home care worker overtime. It saves funds by using mental health um, regional support network reserve funds and it would reduce spending for the temporary assistance for needy families program and replace general fund state funds with federal funds saving $33.3 million. And then um, kind of the really the biggest difference or the biggest spending item on the Senate side is really a savings and it would save $75.4 million by merging the two um, public employee retirement plans. It would merge the law enforcement officers and firefighters plan one and the teachers retirement system plan one. And according to Senate documents, the merger would increase economies of scale to reduce state contributions with no effect on retiree benefits. So it's my just I haven't looked into this very deeply, but my understanding is that the the left or they're both closed plans. These are the plan ones. The teachers retirement system plan is um, one of the least funded plans that we have. And the left plan is a little bit is better funded. So I think the idea is that by merging the two, then um, you can keep contributions steady without hurting the pension benefits. Um, yeah, in these plans, those um, those pensions are contractual obligations. So right. we're we're on the line for paying them anyway. And what we're dealing with is the uh, is uh, putting money into the uh, accounts from which that would be paid. So there may be right. some. Some the the way the rules are written, if they're merged, there may be lesser, less money required in the near term to go into the combined plans yeah. than would have been required for the other for two separate plans. Right, um, and that would be um, actually um, part of uh, another bill, SB sixty six sixty eight, and there, there's been no action on that so far. But there it is. So those are the main points from the two proposals. The House spends less, much less, doesn't increase taxes, doesn't tap the rainy day fund. Um, the House spends a lot more and does increase taxes, increase or uses the rainy day fund. So there are big differences here, but hopefully not insurmountable in the next 10 days. 11 days. We 11 actually days. Have, have, so actually it's, it's more like, it's, ten, it's, it's more like 10 and a half now um, <laughs> at, at the time we're recording. Um, but it doesn't look like um, unsurmountable differences. Mm -hmm. um, there are some some bills that are still still need to be passed. I think to yeah. gather to f to kind of fill out uh, both sides' mm -hmm. uh, plans. And and the uh, question is whether whether it's uh, whether it'll be necessary to pass those bills before bargaining starts, or uh, right. if they're willing to get down and sit. Uh, and try and hash out the plans as they currently exist. Yep. Well, very good. 
Um, thank you, Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, this was uh, Emily Makings and Chris Schoblum uh, from the Washington Research Council. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.